I'm giving a huge shout out to one of our sponsors over at Outfront Magazine, Maggie Addison. Hey! (laughs) Outfront Magazine in Denver, Colorado was founded in 1976 by Phil Price. And since then, no other queer media has served the LGBTQIA community with such dedication. So, dear listeners, go over to OutfrontMagazine.com, hit the donate button, subscribe to the magazine, and continue to uplift, empower, and brighten the future for LGBTQ community through queer media. We'd like to give a shout out to our podcast sponsor, CO for Kids, which is Colorado's campaign to raise awareness of the need for foster and adoptive families in Colorado. Foster parents are amazing. They provide safety, stability, and care to kids while their parents take time to learn new skills and address safety concerns. Hey, did you know Colorado needs more foster parents from every community, including the LGBTQ plus community, because they should reflect the diversity of our state. LGBTQ plus young people are overrepresented within foster care and need affirming families that provide them with the freedom to express who they are. A foster parent can be anyone 21 or older who is ready to make a difference in the life of a child or youth. All people are welcome. Learn more about becoming a foster parent at coforkids.org. That's C-O, the number four, K-I-D-S dot org. Hello, truth tellers. Hello, truth tellers and dirt diggers. Welcome back to another episode of I Swear I'm Real, the podcast where we tell the truth about the the transgender experience, where you get to meet all sorts of amazing humans here on this podcast. I am your host, Alex Vaughn, pronouns they, them, theirs. Um, I am transgender and non-binary. I came out trans non-binary at the age of 40 when I just knew that it was time to be me. (laughs) On today's episode, we have A. Berg is our guest. They grew up in the Midwest, uh, Mormon, and always felt a little bit different and didn't know trans was something that someone could be until a few years ago, where they finally felt like they started to understand who they are. They are a 26-year-old journalist living in Denver, Colorado, and they came out as a lesbian in 2021 and quickly realized that there was more. Of course, there's always more. So tune in now to hear the story of A and their journey. Okay. All right. So I grew up Mormon. I grew up in California. And um, for anybody familiar with Mormonism or not familiar, it's extremely um, heterosexual, patriarchal, extremely gendered. And so growing up um, assigned female at birth, I grew up, you know, being told that my role when I grew up was to be a wife and mother um, and that I was to marry a man and and just kind of do the thing. And from from really as long as I can remember, I think I was like four or five, I remember this developing a self, an, an image of myself and, and imagining that self as a boy. But I don't think I had the words to process that. So it was just like, I imagined myself looking like my boy peers. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I had no idea what trans was at that time. I didn't even really understand what gender was. 
But that's just like how I looked in my mind was like, I remember so clearly I had a backwards cap and short hair and I would always wear like long pants and baggy sweatshirts. And that was like what I did when I was a kid. And um, I remember once there's a tradition in Mormonism where you, um, the, the 12 through 16 year old boys, um, it's kind of similar to communion in Catholicism where there's like a symbolic taking of bread and for Mormons it's water not wine but the the boys the teenage boys are in charge of passing that out and I remember going going to church when I was a kid and like wanting to pass that out not just because I wanted to be a boy and I remember when I was gosh probably about five I, I took a piece of bread from my parents kitchen and I like broke the bread apart and was passing it out to my stuffed animals Cause I thought, cause I was like practicing for when I get older and I'm going to do that. And my mom of course found out, you know, with all the crumbs and everything. And we <laughs> talked, I don't really remember how that conversation went, but you know, I guess it's just something I always kind of felt, but then you start to grow up and you start to realize the perception of other kids and kids, I think notice that stuff from a very early age. And I think there's nothing more alienating than being different as a, as a child and, you know, as an adult too, but especially as a child. And I, I always, I struggled to make friends in elementary and middle school. I was always kind of like the weirdo mm -hmm. didn't really fit in with anybody. Hey, me too. <laughs> Weirdos unite as the best adults. Yep. And, um, I just kind of, I, I don't think I had, I never had the language of like, I'm, trans like I didn't know that was like something you could be and I actually remember I remember seeing a segment on Oprah about this is totally not the terminology that we would use today but there was a segment on Oprah back then with the language we used back then that there was a pregnant man mm -hmm. and it was like the, the words that they were using are not appropriate words now but yeah. the concept remained that like this man could be pregnant and I remember my parents explaining that to me and and saying but but we don't believe in that and I was okay. like okay that's that's the end of that and I remember the next kind of memory I have of of you know gender playing a big part in my life was when I turned 12 and in Mormonism when you turn 12 you enter either young women's or young men's and it's all super gendered playing into you know, classic gender roles, the young men get to go camping and canoeing and do mas masculine acts, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take out the your aggression. And the women learn to sew and cook and do and make dresses. And we have remember so many times that we were supposed to write down the qualities of our future husband and just stuff like that. And it always, I remember feeling super, what I now can pinpoint as gender dysphoria, really uncomfortable with wearing dresses and learning to make dresses and like centering my life around this idea that I would grow up to be a wife and mother and that was that and I think I felt probably the most uncomfortable that I had felt about that was you know around ages 15 16 when I was really starting to kind of come into myself and come into my identity and I think at the time I just attributed that to like, I'm a feminist and of, of course I still am. But at the time, I think I just thought like, I am a strong woman and I don't need, like I'm, I'm going to do more with my life. Not that, I mean, being a mother is incredible and I don't want to 
discount that. I think the idea that bothered me was that the only option for women was to be a mother and that yeah. and that mothers couldn't have careers and, you know, you can't be a multifaceted person. And so I think that was what I was uncomfortable by, but I just chalked it up to being a feminist and that was that. But like this self-image never went away. Like this, like when you're picturing yourself in your head, I always just pictured something different than what I was seeing in the mirror and what people were saying to me. And it just, it was kind of just this misalignment, I guess. Um, so I got to college um, and I started to kind of explore my sexuality. And at that point I kind of solidified and thought that I, well, I still think that I am a lesbian. Um, I think that non-binary people can be lesbians and yeah terms are complicated but totally (laughs) um so that was kind of that for a while and I was feeling good around that and I remember like I mean yeah those are kind of the big events and I remember last year or 2022 I guess I the next time I had kind of thought seriously about this was I was covering this um transgender week of awareness and so tell the tell tell the uh, listeners really fast what you do for a job oh right 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 yeah thank you um i'm a journalist i work at the pbs station in colorado okay um and um i was doing this story about um transgender awareness week and something just kind of like clicked in me that i might be transgender and i had been kind of playing with like I was using she and they pronouns for a little while before that, just in like really, really close friend circles. And I had kind of started dressing more masculine, started wearing men's clothes, kind of started coming into myself that way. Um, And then it just kind of became much more obvious when I was doing these stories. And I'm not totally sure what it was about those stories that just kind of brought me to it, but something did. And, um, and like you brought it to life, so to speak in a mm-hmm. certain way, or you were interacting with the energy and it started to come to life. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I also felt like we have this week to remember trans people who have died. I mean, that's really what it's yeah. about. Yeah. And something just stuck with me that we don't have enough times to talk about trans people who are alive. <laughs> and that's a statement. <laughs> yeah. And that just really stuck with me. So I went to the trans center of the Rockies, um, which they're amazing. I would just give a little shout out to them. Um, and they have free binders and gender affirming clothes. No questions asked. It's all free. You, you don't have to give a name or pronouns or anything. When you walk in, you just walk in and take what you want. And I remember like, going to the little dressing room that they have and trying on the clothes and measuring myself for a binder. And I remember putting that binder on and just feeling like so right in myself. Like this is what I am supposed to look like. And all of the kind of physical discomfort that binding brings was like totally weighed out by the affirmation. So that was a Friday that Sunday, um, or that Saturday, that late sa- late that Saturday night, the Club Q shooting happened in Colorado Springs, in which um, se- 
six people died and I believe 18 were shot of the people who died. Two of them were trans. Um, and I remember going down for my job to do a story about that the next day, wearing my binder. That was the first time I'd worn it in public mm -hmm. and just kind of feeling so many mixed things. Like on the one hand, I felt like this is what I need to be doing. This is, this is yep. my, this is where I have to be right now. And on the other hand, feeling just so scared and mm -hmm. just really anxious about the state of our world, but also really like this newfound rage, I guess. And I, I think yeah. that we, especially like, a, I hate that term, AFAB people, but I also don't know what other term to use. People who right. were raised as women, I guess. Yeah. Like, AFAB listeners means assigned female at birth. Oh yeah. Thank you. Um, I guess I feel like we, at least I was always taught to steer away from anger and rage, that those were like the worst mm -hmm. things that you could feel. And, and I think it's the same for, for boys where they're taught that crying is the worst thing you can do. And you need, it's kind of like the opposite sides of the coin. And I remember feeling this combination of crying and anger and feeling like, rage is a really there's a quote somewhere i'm totally stealing this from someone else but there's a quote that says like rage is the most powerful tool to create change i'm totally butchering that i'm sure but i, I read that somewhere and it really just stood out to me that like there is so much power in trans rage i guess mm -hmm. and it's like and and so i got back Denver after covering this shooting and I, I felt like it's we have to put the gender exploration stuff on hold like this isn't the time there's too much going on in my life and you know I just I don't have the mental space for this right now so I sort of put it on hold but it was always in the back of my mind and I was still using she and they pronouns with just like really really close friends and I had told some people that I was kind of questioning my gender but I there was so much I didn't know this summer I went to Goodwill and I bought a bunch of men's clothes and I cleaned out all the women's clothes in my closet and I donated them and that was a big step for me and I doing that just like get rid of all of it <laughs> right right yeah and, and I and I donated them to a queer youth nonprofit. yeah which, like made me feel so so good um because gosh, I wish I had something like that when I was a kid. And um, I, yeah, that that's kind of how this summer went. And then fast forward, I went to a wedding in September of um, two trans people. And I remember I like just kind of broke down crying to one of them. And I felt really bad for about crying at their wedding and not necessarily <laughs> crying at their marriage. Like, you know, how people happy cry at weddings. I wasn't mm -hmm. crying about that. I was crying about my own, like, gender crisis. Um, but this friend... Why don't I just grab a snack really quick? I'm just going to bring it back over here. I'm yeah, sorry. for sure. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay. Sorry, I forgot to eat lunch before this, so I'm just going to eat this yogurt, and if it's distracting, let me know. I'm going to try to keep it not distracting. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, 
but um kind of happy crying uh, crying about this gender stuff and this friend um, well I imagine it was happy it was happy because you're you're witnessing like I get to live right it well yeah it was such a mix of emotions that that's yeah. so true that's so true um it, it was just a, a huge mixed bag of emotions and this friend um is in, is in medical school and they told me you know technically this isn't advised and it's not legal but I know like as a person in medical school that like I could give you a shot of my testosterone you can see how you like it how it feels to you and like mm-hmm. you would be fine but then you need to go to a doctor and get your own if you like it yeah but they offered to give me which is probably ethically uh confusing but it was a really nice idea and um I thought about it a lot and was like you know I I don't want to because they have to take your blood work and things before you start you, that's not a good idea so I um, booked an appointment with Planned Parenthood and I purposely booked it out a few months away because I wanted to see, give myself a few months and decide if I still want to do this in a few months, then I'll do it. But let's give it some time. So I immediately began doing a ton of research. And I think my, I I would say I I have kind of like an obsession with like researching things. And it's great as a journalist, but it's not so great in my personal life because knowledge is power, but there is a such thing as too much information. Mm-hmm. And I think that I came across too much information. Like I was, I in the middle of the night, I was reading Reddit forums about <laughs> all the things that can go wrong. And this person had this, you know, nightmare story in which their whole family disowned them and they you know, changed too much overnight and just all these fears that I was having. Um, so I went to Planned Parenthood and they were incredible. They are the nicest people, so affirming, so kind. Um, and so just, just really, really good people. Um, and actually the medical assistant, who's kind of like the, the precursor to the nurse practitioner that you see, um, is trans themselves and, and is also on testosterone and gave me a lot of good just personal anecdotes from how it's made them feel. And I I remember looking at them and thinking like, well, this person seems to be living a happy, normal life. And yeah, it doesn't seem like anything has gone. Yeah. Like you end up kind of comparing yourself to. Yeah. Right. But, but, but I was also like this, like this, this, they don't have any nightmare stories, you know, like mm-hmm. this is normal for them. They're, they seem to be doing fine. And, um, I started seeking out more, more trans friends, just, I guess over time, I just kind of met more people. I joined some Facebook groups, but I ha- I really have had to like limit my exposure to them because it's just kind of addicting to be like knowing everything about everyone's experience and all of the things that can happen to you. So anyway, I got that vial of testosterone. Um, my nurse practitioner put me on 0.2 milliliters every week, mm-hmm. which is like my understanding is like that's like the lowest dose that you could go um and she um she said that I would come back in three months and we'd see how we like it and that would be that so I picked it up at the pharmacy I did my first shot that night and I honestly did not feel the way that I wanted to feel I felt really nervous I felt excited but I also just felt nervous and just kind of like I'm ahead of myself right now. So I decided to stop and 
I wanted to see how I felt without it. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that without it, I don't feel better. I don't, I mean, I don't feel horrible. Like I, I wouldn't say that I feel this. I think there's, there's a narrative that probably a lot of trans people do feel, which is like, if I don't have this care, you know, I'm feeling really dark and potentially suicidal. And that isn't, that's not how I feel without the testosterone. I think how I feel is just like, there's a part of me missing. And Mm -hmm. like, I think the dysphoria has kind of, the gender dysphoria has kind of intensified with feeling, with knowing what I could have and not having it. I think I feel like more of a longing for it now because I feel like, oh, I I could have that, but I don't, if that makes any sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know. Cause I like, I'm, I'm four years into, into, into taking tea and I look forward to it like a kid in a candy shop, like every week, like it's shot day. Right. But, But so it's the feeling, you know, even though the, as you're saying, like the, um, the physical kind of, you know, in the beginning, it's all about like, well, what's this going to do to me? Right. And then how the physical, how your body physically changes. And then over time that kind of evens out. And now it's just the act because it's, it's the act that affirms my gender Mm -hmm. in my head. And yeah. Well, I think what I didn't want, I don't, gosh, this is such dicey territory, but I don't, feel like someone who wants to pass as a man i I use pass in air Mm -hmm. quotes for people who can't see because that is a term that a lot of people don't like and i totally see why but i have met a lot of trans people who who want to look completely different and feel completely different and that isn't totally how i feel like for example i have my toenails painted right now and there, there are parts of that obviously men can paint their nails that's you know but there are parts of what I would consider to be traditionally feminine, feminine things that I want to keep. And there's, I don't necessarily want to move through the world um, as someone who looks like a cis man. Like I, I don't want a beard, for example. Like I think that's like a goal right. for a lot of trans mass people is like a beard coming in. And that is so awesome for those people, but that's just not how I feel. Like I don't want that. What I do want is a deeper voice, Mm -hmm. um, more masculine features in my face, like a more like angular kind of face. Um, Gosh, I mean, yeah, I I won't go into my whole medical desires, but um, those are some of the things that I want. And I think it just feels confusing in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, So anyway, I would fast forward. That was in November and we are now in January. Um, and I booked an appointment to have top surgery. Um, because I know that that is something I want. Like, there's no question Mm. about that. And I hate medical stuff. I hate surgeries. I hate doctors. I don't hate doctors, but I hate going to the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Important distinction. Um, I just, I don't like any of it. And, um, I'm willing to go through all of that to have top surgery because that's how important it is to me. Yeah. And I, I now use they, them pronouns full time. And that has been huge. Um, and I cut my hair like Mm -hmm. to look more like a a masculine haircut. And that's been like the biggest thing for me. 
I will never forget like the stylist who's trans themselves turning me around in the chair and looking at myself and just like crying happy tears because of how much <laughs> I felt like myself. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I yeah. remember, I just, I just want to like, just maybe just add, I, um, I had short hair. I've had it since I was 19. So like mm-hmm. most of my life, but that gender affirming haircut when I was like, no, 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 no. I want the super tight fade with the hard part with like, you know, I don't want it to look like a pixie or anything cute. Like I want right. to look like more masculine. And that felt very, very different. And was, it was very, you know, the person turned me around and I was like, holy shit, there I am. Yeah. Right. Here I am. Right. Exactly. And I, and I told my person specifically that I don't want to look like a woman with short hair. I want to look more on the androgynous side. And I think she did such a good job with that. And like, I have been, I've never felt, I used to hate looking in the mirror Mm -hmm. and I hated pictures of myself. And now I love those things. Like Mm -hmm. yesterday, my friend and I were at King Super's and I, I was just looking in my phone camera mirror, like mess it, fixing my hair. And he was kind of giving me a hard time about it. But it, like, he was like, you know, doesn't it feel so good to feel vanity? And and I feel like that word has such a, a bad reputation, but it's true. It does feel really good to feel confidence and, and even a, in a level of vanity. Like we are allowed to feel that. And yeah, we should feel that. Yeah. And in a world where it's like, you know, don't look at yourself or don't, don't love yourself. Right. No, I actually really want to look in the mirror and be like, I am fucking proud of what I see. I work damn fucking hard for this. And this is is me. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's completely how I was feeling. And, um, the other day I was at target and somebody called me, sir, just like in passing. And I, that was like such a huge affirming moment for me. Yeah. And, and that's not, I mean, this hasn't been without complication or confusion. Like there, there is a lot of confusion along the way. And it is like second puberty, as they say. And, you know, I know when I start hormones again, that will not be without complication or confusion. And, but I know Well, first of all, I would hope that, you know, I'm 26 now. I have a little bit more um, knowledge and emotional maturity than I did when I was 13. Yeah. But, but I also, (laughs) there's just, there's this feeling that I feel like I'm missing that I want. And when I start to think about all of the things that could go wrong, I also realize that those things haven't happened. And there's a lot of things that could go right. Mm -hmm. and what's the best that could happen yep right what's the best that could happen yeah and you know I I have seen little subtle differences in like the ways that people like strangers treat me Mm -hmm. like with even just with short hair I I feel like I get maybe this is totally in my head it it very well could be but I feel like I get like stared at more Mm -hmm. but I also feel like I don't care because like I'm so happy with myself mm-hmm. that I invite people to partake in this same happiness. You know, if staring at me is gonna make you happy, then 
please like you know yeah i think you're you're talking about something that really 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 important is on this note of like you know when you glow up yourself right. when you get closer to who you really are you just exude an energy that's contagious mm-hmm. and you know um i have experienced that too where people when your your energy your people kind of like it's it's almost like a what are you like i'm drawn to you and i can't really figure out why right because you're unique and you're kind of energetically rare and but i'm positively drawn to you because for you know whatever reason is is in them but um but that's where i think is is really euphoric and 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 fun in the process where it's like yeah you can stare at me like i'm i'm not gonna change what i'm doing or who i am um look all you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I just feel really just kind of this newfound like sense of self that is, is hard mm-hmm. to describe. Um, and I feel like I've just been really leaning into that and feeling just a lot more confident and just really, really good. Yeah. And I feel kind of a sense of duty to live authentically for everyone that can't and everyone that is to come. And yeah. 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 That, that's just what I was going to say. Well, and I was just thinking too, like, um, so on this podcast, I've like talking about the transgender experience, but you know, I, I am friends with someone, uh, Liam Paschal, I believe his name is on, on LinkedIn. And I, I wrote him a, a, a note and I was saying, well, I live in trans non-binary world and you live in trans man world. And, and those are a little bit different, but, mm-hmm. uh, um, we both share the train, you know, are sharing this, this trans experience. And, um, I think because it's, I'm so happy for many reasons that, that that you're on the podcast but that when you're in the non-binary world it can almost feel even more disorienting because even though you're trans you're still going from one binary to another mm-hmm. and and then when you're trans but you're kind of like purposefully plopping yourself right in the middle of kind of like complete nothingness but really it's everythingness you're, I remember feeling, I mean, I'm five years in, I remember feeling like this magnetism of like, I have to pick something. And I had to remind myself over and over and over and over again, you don't have to pick, you don't have to pick your job is to be you Mm -hmm. just be in that weird, awkward. Well, it could come off as weird and awkward, but it felt weird and awkward until it didn't. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, yeah, I'm just here in this non-binary space that not a lot of people get to be in, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. But I also think that's really cool. And what I have kind of also found is that identities are ever changing. Yeah. And so, you know, I start this process now feeling very non-binary and, and wanting to keep that kind of androgynous look, but that could change and that would also be okay. 
And, but I also don't like the idea that like, you know, non-binary people are just a step to the other gender. Like there's, there's so much room for everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think those are kind of the big life experiences up to this point. I'm super nervous for surgery because like I said, I hate all things medical, but I figure most people in their life have to have surgery for something. So I might as well make it something that I want. Yeah. And yeah. Are you, are you familiar with rain dove? Mm-mm. They're a, um, they're a model. They're also an, an, uh, a non-binary um actually i i have i should check their instagram to see what how they label themselves they're just they they say um i am i i'm just mm-hmm. i'm just me and they call them they've called themselves at least one point i, I was reading a, a gender capitalist uh-huh. and so they're really and i that resonated deeply with me because i had found especially when i'm with like for instance when i'm with kim like we have spaces where i will purposefully present more male because it's safer. And then I, and then there's, there's spaces where I'm like, no, 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 no. I need to look, look or feel or act more female. And that's more, that's safer, but that's Mm -hmm. all due to like external, you know, circumstances. And then we go into restaurants and she's like, okay, so you got two options today or, or, Hey, guess what? There's a gender, gender uh, neutral bathroom. Mm -hmm. But, um, but I think people get really uncomfortable with that because it's like, well, you're not allowed to be a chameleon. Like you're not allowed to just like shift and morph and change and like whatever right. you want to do. It's like, I, actually I can, my insides, I, I'm still the same person. Mm-hmm. But so have you ever found, I feel like we're really it's less of an interview and more of just conversation. No, this um, is perfect. Do you That's feel great. like you have done that for you? Like where you've moved into like maybe at home you get to be the the most raw authentic version then when you go out back in the world you have to kind of like kind of mask up again in in a certain way or armor up yes i i would definitely say that i think i think there's actually something kind of calming about being myself around strangers because it's like Hmm. people don't know me I'll never see them again. They don't know anything about me. They don't know who I was before, you know? Yeah. And so like the other day I was in Boulder and I was just like, you know, I want to use the men's bathroom today. There was no gender neutral bathroom. And I just mm-hmm. kind of felt like it. And I had, I've never done that before. And, yeah. and it was a, it was like a several stall, like a public one, not just like a one, a one person. Um, And I figure, you know, if there's a safe place to do it, Boulder's, hopefully the place so um (laughs) so I did and I was the only person in there but I just felt like good about it and I think it's it's fun to be able to explore that I don't know if that answers your question but no it does yeah yeah just just the sense of exploration and it's it's interesting too like watching people try to perceive me in public and like try Mm -hmm. to figure out like which box do I put this person in yeah. And like the, the a couple weeks ago actually I was doing this interview um um not going to say where just so that I don't like give away anybody. Okay. Uh, cuz it wasn't this person's fault at all. But they they were looking at me and I could tell they were trying to figure out if they should say miss or mister. Mhm. And uh, like 
I just kind of watched them struggle because like I don't know either I, you, your guess is as good as mine <laughs> so like a baby giraffe like which, right should they stand up or not <laughs> right 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 so I was just kind of like I don't know I guess we're just we're just gonna see and and ultimately and I yeah um and they ultimately just went with my name which is also a perfectly fine totally thing. so um yeah. so so yeah I think it's it's nice to kind of feel like, and I'm also, I should say, super, super privileged. I live in downtown Denver, which is a pretty progressive place. Um, and I haven't run into much issue because of it. And I know that like, that's a privilege that many don't have. And so, right. and for in my job, I do travel a lot and I go to a lot of more conservative places and I haven't been yet since I cut my hair. But that is something I'm a little nervous about is like, how am I going to be perceived in these places? Yeah, And that's, you know, we, there are many things that we have control over and many things that we do not. And how I'm perceived by other people is one thing I don't have control over. Very true. Very true. So, um, let's see, let's see. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Um. Tell. F- feel free. Share what whatever you would like to share about. Yeah. You know. Um. I'm starting. Well, before I answer that, I, mm-hmm. I'm I I've been stumbling a lot around the phrase coming out because I heard Karamo on you know on um Queer Eye. He calls it inviting in, and I'm like mother. Fucker, like yes, that's that's what it is. Mm-hmm. What once you take back that perspective of like, oh no, 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 you get to know me. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm giving you this as a gift, and now you get to know me. So, have you, um, you know, with your family and and considering you know how you grew up, like how have things been going there? So. And I would add, I love what Karamo said. I'm I'm reading this book called Sissy right now. Okay. By um, a famous trans femme um, activist. And she's also an actor, actress. Um, and she has an amazing memoir. And in it, she talks about the idea of coming out and how the onus is always on the queer person to come out mm-hmm. and not on other people to feel like a safe space to be let in, which is a similar. Yeah. So answering your question, um, I am not out to my family. I'm out to my sister. Um, we're super close. She's four years younger. And I do think this is a generalization, but I think my generation, Generation Z, is probably more ex- like at least more exposed to the idea of trans people than previous generations. And you know, with a with exposure comes backlash and it's a everything is complicated. But my sister, I knew was a safe person to be let in. And she, mm-hmm. and she was, I told her and she was incredible and affirming and everything I could have wanted. Um, and my parents, to their credit, have really come a long way in the last several years. I, I think their views have evolved hugely. They are still very religious, but I think they have realized there's a lot of room for gray area in, in mm-hmm. their religion. And I think, I mean... 
this is, you know, their personal set of beliefs. But I think they have come to realize that Jesus Christ, the person, without all the other stuff, just who Jesus was as a person, is someone who would have loved trans people. Mm -hmm. And at least that's what I like to believe. And I think that they... I'm not out to them for a variety of reasons, but I, I will be eventually. Yeah. Um, when I got my haircut, my mom had really like nothing but nice things to say. She said she loved it and that it looked cute. My dad made a joke about how I'm one step closer to going bald like him, which which I thought was sweet. I didn't take it. I, get, I just thought totally. it, was, it was funny. Yeah. Um, you know, wait until I start tea and get the baldness. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, they have really come a long way. And I think they deserve a lot of credit on that. And the reasons I'm not out to them yet are complicated and are many. Um, part of that is because Mormonism is, you know, for better and for worse, it's the church is your, it's your everything. It's your family. It's, it's not like a come on Sundays when you feel like it and don't think about it the rest of the week. It is your whole life. Mm. And and that was good in a lot of ways. Like I, it takes a village to raise a child, as they say. And I had a village raise me like the church raised me. The downside of that is that there are a lot of people in my, my parents' version of chosen family, which is the church who may not be as affirming and accepting. And those are things that I've thought about. And that's, you know, one of many reasons why I'm not totally out to the world and to my family yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was just, you know, this, this podcast is obviously called I Swear I'm Real. Mm -hmm. And I think really, really deep down the layers um, it, that's coming from the collective gaslighting that trans that all of us have gotten about what it means to be human and how dare we know ourselves and some of us are trans um right. in that human way of, of explaining it or or non-cisgender because obviously not all non-binary people are trans not all trans people are, are uh, non-binary and sure all the other options, all the, um, all the many other options that you could have um, for your gender identity or even, you know, no gender identity, but you just, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, but so like, you know, what talk about, I'm trying to even <laughs> think of how to ask this question. Like talk about you, like you mentioned the trans rage earlier on, which I'm like, oh, like I want to kind of sink deeper into that. Mm -hmm. And I've, I finally have learned as well. I'm 45 that my anger is um, a gift mm -hmm. and I just needed to learn how to talk to it, how to make it my friend and then how to help, how to, how for it to, you know, help me through life, not make life worse. It was just informing. Um, so did, was there like a, you know, talk about the way like the the feelings that were were coming up as you were kind of like navigating all these things that actually happened but under mm -hmm. the the resonating um layers underneath everything 
Yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's something that hasn't stopped. I think it kind of maybe started mm -hmm. with Club Q and has continued yeah. um, as we see don't say gay bills around the country. Um, I, I lived in Utah for a while and they're currently going through a legislative process trying to ban people from locker rooms and bathrooms. There's a million things. Um, yeah. And I, I think that I, so when I, when I did my tea shot, I was looking at on Spotify for like trans mask playlists. And I saw this one come up called trans mask rage and I just hit shuffle awesome. on it. Yeah, it was like just this eclectic, like, you know, list of songs from artists I had never heard of. But I liked it. It was just like, this is, this is kind of interesting. And I think, you know, one of my biggest concerns actually with starting T was the idea that I would become angry. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I have witnessed men in my family have anger outbursts. And I... I, I and it was traumatizing to me yeah and I didn't want that and I think anger is just something I've always been so afraid of and so the way that I'm kind of trying to look at it is that when channeled appropriately anger is a really beautiful emotion and a really wonderful tool for for change and I think as far as like when it comes up, it, it's kind of, it's kind of all the time. It's, it's, yeah. it's just kind of this like lingering feeling that like, you know, I, I hate to say this because none, none, none of us has a crystal ball and I hate fear mongering, but there is a very, very real possibility that this time next year, we won't have access to gender affirming care. I mean, if Donald Trump wins, who wins the election, who knows what's going to happen? And I hate putting that out there and I hate thinking about that, but it's, it's a, it's a, re it's one of many, many realities. There are many realities on the table and that is one of them. And I think when I think about that, I just feel this, like, we have to do something about this. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it's like, I think about younger me and when, what younger <laughs> me would have wanted. And I think that younger me would have would have wanted older me. I think younger me would be really proud of, mm -hmm. of me now for I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. For really, really standing up and fighting and existence is resistance, as they say. And sometimes the best you can do is just step outside of the house and be, just be, because that in itself is is resisting hate. Yeah. And sometimes you can do a lot more than that. And I I think especially as as white people, I think we have a huge, huge responsibility to to fight for for more than that because I think our voices are the most I, I hate to say that respectable in the eyes of politicians, but it but I but it's true because of systemic racism and a million things. But I think I feel a responsibility for for other people and I feel just a lot of like inspire in, inspiration it's about to say inspirement um inspiration <laughs> at the idea of being able to really fight the good fight and hold a lot of hope because i think that it's a careful balance between 
you know, anger for change and hope for a, a really, really a, a better world as possible. I really believe that. And I think I also hold a lot of hope for the future. I, yeah. I feel like that was a really rambly answer, but. No, it was beautiful um, because I think you're speaking to, you know, the higher consciousness, like, especially when you just mentioned, you know, inner child, mm-hmm. like the inner, our inner child doesn't care about paying the bills or, right. you know, keeping our job or getting food or any of that stuff. It just, it, it, it's the higher knowing of like, right. oh no, 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 we, we're, this is who we are. You have to do that. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm, that's why I'm still here. Right. Um, And I think, because I really found in my um, inviting in journey, my, mm-hmm. um, it was, it, it ended up being a lot of inner child work and talking to, and I'd been doing stuff for years, but talking to my younger self of, uh, and, um, yeah. And the, and the dynamics like, oh, you're just my higher consciousness. That's, that's this magnet that's leading me towards my truth. Right. Yeah. And I think one thing that I have had to really process growing up Mormon was that it was so hard to trust myself for the longest time I felt like, and even now it's something I'm still actively wrestling with is like, I constantly wanted someone else to give me the answers because that's kind of what I was always taught that like, there was this spirit out there who communicated through the men in your church that would, then they, they, they give you the answer. And I now believe that I have the answers. I just have to, I just have to find them in my, within myself. I read this. Have you read Untamed by Glennon Doyle? Yep. Okay. I love that book. It's, yeah. it's like my favorite book ever. And I love what she says about your knowing and just the idea that, you know, you always know what is right for you. And it's hard. And I think I'm constantly looking for other people to give me an answer, but, but it's, it's true. Like I do know what's right for me. And, and oftentimes there's no wrong choice. And I think even when I am looking for, well, if I go down this path, what's going to happen that much? I don't know. Nobody does. Mm -hmm. There's only one way to find out, but I know where yeah, go ahead. I know where the path I've been on has led and it doesn't feel totally right. Yeah. That in that all knowing perspective, you know, either way you go, you're still mm-hmm. going to get there. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, you're speaking my language. <laughs> well, um, Gosh, this is such a, this is, this is such a great conversation. What, um, what do you feel like is next for you? Probably starting the testosterone again. What sometime I think I need some more therapy before I get started. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably in the next few months starting that. I have my top surgery consult in May and then they schedule the actual surgery. I think like two to three months after that. So that, um, coming out to my family and 
I, I thought a lot about like coming out on social media, but I, and I have such mixed feelings about that, but like part of me is like, I don't owe people, you know, mm-hmm. this whole, cause I think I, I just feel this need to prove how long I felt this way. No, it's not just a phase. And when I find myself like wanting to say all that, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't know anyone that information. And so that's a maybe, maybe not. Um, but I think those are the things that are next, just continuing to come into myself, you know, literally medically and, mm-hmm. and in my, my heart as, as cheesy as that might sound. Yeah, no, it doesn't t- sound cheesy at all. I think even, you know, e- even as I was grappling and, and, or, reflecting i should say on the title of the podcast i was like is this actually because it came to me i'm like boom that's it and then it was like but what does this actually mean and and what am i really what are we we really saying because um and then that that anger and that all those things were coming up it's like oh i've spent this long as you were talking about like not trusting myself because of everything that was around me and the people that were, you know, as good intentioned as they were, this is the fact of what's, what happened. And that, um, that our society is like, don't be anything except what we tell you to be. And then you're finally just like, I can't not be myself. Right. Right. Like, trans people will always be here have always been here and will always be Mm -hmm. here you know whatever happens to the literal ability to get medical care is one thing but i will always be me yep and everyone else will always be them i think that's why it's hilarious because they don't understand like yeah 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 take away the surgeries and the in the in the in the hormones we're still Mm going to be trans Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you, and also you will never ban surgeries and hormones, just like you will never ban abortion. Like there right. will always be, but that's its own topic, but there will always be a way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the arrogance I, I of trying I, to control energy anyway. Right. Right. And I think it, oh gosh, I'm like getting chills and it just brings me so much like joy to think about the fact that we will never be stopped. We will never be banned from society. Mm-hmm. We will always have, you know, like whatever this time next year looks like, it's just going to be, we're all still going to be us. Yeah. That brings a lot of joy. And and I think also when I think about some of the the more literal side effects of tea that I get nervous about, all of them are things that pass and that are manageable. Like I had pretty bad acne as a teenager and I worry about having that episode over again, but like a dermatologist can do wonders these days. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and who's to say that it will even get to be that bad. Like maybe it, it won't. And I think it's a lot. I, I did this AI, um, this it's called face app last night. I, who knows how safe and secure it is, but I, <laughs> you like put a photo of yourself in and you can tweak it to look all kinds of ways. But there's this one filter that allows you to make yourself look more masculine or more feminine. Mm-hmm. And I did the masculinizing one and I just like 
felt obsessed with how I looked, like obsessed in a way that I have never experienced of just like, wow. And it doesn't look that different from, I'm looking at it now. It doesn't look like that different from me now. It just has like some subtle tweaks. Like, like I would, wait, what'd you say? Can you, can you, can you show me? Yeah. Are you probably, gosh, I'm so, it's here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Look at you. Like It doesn't, I don't look that different. But it's subtle. It's subtle, but it's like, yeah. I love that picture. Yeah. I do the same thing with the TikTok filters. I'm like, uh-huh. They're, yeah. yeah. Right. right. And obviously AI is not an indicator of like what <laughs> yeah. actually, been, you know, but the principle remains that like, I love seeing like the masculine version of myself, you mm-hmm. know, the more mask version of myself and like looking at that and just like, hell yeah. Like, it's just, it's so affirming to me. Yeah, I think it's, you know, even though, like, I don't, being non-binary, I I don't want to be, I'm not a man, I'm not a woman. Mm -hmm. And, but looking at those filters and looking at, um, you know, pictures of myself where I look more masculine, it's it's seeing myself in a way that feels good, which then translates into like momentum and Mm -hmm. and gives me fuel to like, Oh, well I can do anything. I can Mm -hmm. look at that picture and I know I'm not going to look just like that, but, but now I have this zap of like energy to just keep moving through life. Right. Which is just beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, there's just something, something about it that I can't really put my finger on that I just like feel drawn towards. Mm -hmm. I think what's interesting about this podcast too, is that, you know, being trans is like a stream of consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's just, um, you know, if you're here and you're, still listening listeners like thank you so much like it's you're gonna if you really can tune in to that higher level and energy and awareness of um because I think it's a gift to get get to be trans or to or, yeah. or to have the non-cis experience because you aren't experiencing the world the same way most people are which is dominant culture cisgender right um yeah and so your whole life is like, well, I can't not see the, my life through now that I see it, I can't see life through not being trans. And now everything I say and do is through that lens because I've seen it and I'm sure as fuck not going back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like my mom last night, we, we zoom a couple times a month and we zoomed yesterday and I still had short hair. Yeah, And she was like, she just made a joke about how it hasn't grown back yet. And I wanted to be like, it, it never will. Obviously men can have long hair, but I don't see myself. This is a small example, but like, once you get this version of yourself, oh my gosh, sorry, my Google, my Google maps turned on. (laughs) Once you get this version of yourself, you never want the old one back is how I feel at least. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you see what we see you can't go back. It's just, 
I think um, it's the way the universe works and it's, it's supposed you're evolving, but then all of us are, all of us should be evolving, even, even cis people. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think as a trans person, you're constantly being asked to question and search and look around because the world doesn't reflect you back. Right. And I, I mean, up until I moved here to Denver, I didn't really know any trans people. Actually, this was an important kind of development in my, um, my life story that I forgot to mention earlier. When I was in college, I was a huge activist in the Me Too movement. I um, was sexually assaulted my freshman year and I had the, the um, perpetrator, we took him to court and we ended up winning and he went to jail, which like never happens. Yeah. And it was this huge deal. And there was, I became like kind of like a, an activist in, in this movement and like a, I hate to say spokesperson because I can't speak for anybody else, but kind of just like a, a, a face on the college campus, I guess. And I was all okay. on all of these panels and just doing events and leading marches and doing the whole thing. And I think I remember one time I was on this panel about womanhood and all of the different ways that womanhood can look. And there was a Muslim woman, a trans woman, yeah, me, this sort of sexual assault survivor, and a couple other women from different backgrounds. And I remember everybody was introducing themselves with their pronouns. And that this was like 2016, 17. So the okay. concept of pronouns was kind of new in like the general mainstream. And I remember thinking about like, when it's my turn, what am I going to say? The fact that you even like, questioned that. <laughs> right, right. And I was like, I use she, her pronouns. Like I, and, but in my head, I was like, do, do I? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't. Jeez. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> and I, I ended up becoming super good friends with this trans woman on the panel. We're still super good friends. And before her, she was the first trans person I ever met. And I didn't know that like, trans was something that you could be and I remember like we went and got coffee the week after that and I just like, asked her like a million and one questions about like being trans and she was like you know if you're so interested in this topic like maybe you should explore for yourself and I was like oh no no it's just out of you know curiosity um lo and behold but um but it stuck with you obviously it was there was oh, a reason hugely, why hugely yeah. so and and I'm sure that I would have come to this conclusion eventually, regardless of that panel. But that, like, that exposure to people like me was huge. Yeah. I think it's so... Uh, uh, um, you know, there are people out there who want to limit the exposure to diversity because they're scared of what what the children could be or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's like it doesn't work like that if right. people when you give them when you it's you know when I figured out that I was non-binary like my therapist like literally it was almost like they hand me a tray mm -hmm. of stuff like here's all these different ways that people so far have been D does any any of this fit you <laughs> mm -hmm. right. and I, it's like I saw the you know the non-binary toy so to speak and I was like that that's me and my whole world just exploded Right. And so for me, it was complete joy, but there are people out there who are like, no, don't give them a choice. Right. So what does that mean for me? 
Exactly. Exactly. And I think it's, I think some of it stems from a place of jealousy. Like I think other people wish that they had the tools to mm-hmm. question themselves. And some people question themselves and come back to being cisgender. And like gender is such an expansive spectrum that like there's so much room for cis people who are like slightly gender non-conforming in like men that paint their nails and like women who gosh, I don't know, have short hair or play sports or whatever. There's a million right. things. Like, there's so much room for expansion that I think we all would be better off to just allow ourselves into. Yeah. I I, I kind of view gender like a like the universe. It's a it's a expanding prism in every right. direction. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, is there anything that you would like to leave our 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 listeners some some drop some some wisdom on them? You know, I think like the biggest thing that I have learned along this journey is that it's okay to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And it's in fact it's healthy. And it's okay to be ever evolving. And I think the last thing I would say is that we all owe it to ourselves to question norms and like uh, norms of all kinds, gender and race and class and, you know, all kinds of norms. And I think that trans liberation is wrapped up in the liber in the liberation of every other marginalized group, including cis women, because bans on, trans people using the bathroom that is affirming to them also hurts cis women who look slightly different than other cis women and now can't use the bathroom that, you know, this hurts all of us. Yep. Yep. You drop. There you go. There you go. I guess that's what I would say. That's, that's it. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much for being on here with me. Thank you. much for listening if you would like to be on the podcast or you know someone who would wants to be on the podcast or maybe they don't know they want to be on the on the podcast but you think they should be on the podcast <laughs> you need to reach out to us you can find us on social media platforms including facebook linkedin instagram and on tiktok you can also email me at alex that's a-l-e-x at howtobequeer.com